Here in our program and our segment Made in Korea, we've talked about extensively the legacy and controversy of President Park Chung-hee, who is famous for his nearly two decades of rule, winning election three times. But what happened during the 1971 election campaign that threatened his legacy? Who was Kim Dae-jung before we know him as a South Korean president, his longtime, long-term rival and chief opposition, and how did he come close to upsetting Park? Moreover, how was this opposition leader treated once he had established his image, whether being kidnapped in 1973 or later even sentenced to death? Today, we're going to look at Kim Dae-jung's death sentence in the aftermath of Gwangju as Chun Doo-won sought to consolidate his military leadership in the early 1980s. For this, joining us for Made in Korea is Professor John DeMoya, who joins us in the studio. Professor, good to see you once again. Thanks very much. Thanks for having me. Uh, there's a lot of, boy, there's a lot of names here. Park Chung-hee, uh, Kim Dae-jung, sure. Chun Doo-hwan, all sure. of names. Uh, we're at one point the president of South that's Korea. That's correct. That's that's true, yes. Um, I, I don't think there was ever a sentence where you had three presidents uh, who at one point, aside from, I guess, Park Chung-hee, a lot of people didn't think they were going to be presidents, especially Kim Dae-jung. But let's talk about the prior history and relationship that Kim Dae-jung uh, had with Park Chung-hee before, again, he became uh, the president of uh, South Korea, uh, whether it be the 1971 elections, the 1971 assassination attempt, and the 1973 kidnapping. Okay, sure. Um, leading into the 71 election, a couple things that have to be kept in mind. Uh, Park uh, takes power in 61, puts on the suit famously and is democratically elected in 63 or 67. Whatever issues there are with those elections does seem to have been, you know, conducted on a sort of a normal basis. Um, 71, he is not supposed to be running. They're supposed to have two terms. So he expends a lot of his political capital to be allowed to run. I think he doesn't think this will necessarily be an issue. And he confronts a long-term National Assemblyman, someone who's been sort of an opposition candidate all through the 60s, uh, in Kim Dae-jung, who, if I'm not going to give exact numbers, but roughly if Park can get something like low 50s, Kim Dae-jung, with his appeal in the Southwest, uh, with his appeal to rural communities in a South Korea that is rapidly developing but is changing and making some uncomfortable, mm -hmm. and with a park who's been in office basically, depending on how you measure it, eight or ten years, uh, it's something like 51% to like 45 or 46%. It's very close. Park does win, and I think most observers agree that even you know if you count any kind of electoral manipulation, it is legitimate. But this really makes Park deeply disturbed. Yep. He's really surprised at how close Kim Dae-jung comes. And he, he finds that he doesn't necessarily like viable political opposition. And this is going to feed into much of what comes uh, with Yushin and Yushin, with, oh, with, yes. other, with other tricks that are coming up. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, we talked about with uh, last year in our previous episode, the formation of the Yushin uh, system and uh, why they came about. And it really is, again, you know, Park Chung-hee, you know, wanting to solidify his power yeah, and coming a little bit too close. <laughs> if you don't election. like democracy and you don't like the results, you squeeze through, you say, well, I'm not going to take that risk again. Tell us about the 1971 assassination attempt and what that's all about. Sure. Um, that is in the aftermath of the election that's close. Um, again, this is somewhat speculative according to the sources, but the, okay, what we know. What we know is that at some point in 71, Kim Dae-jung is struck by some sort of vehicle. It's, I believe he injures his hip or his legs. It's written off as kind of a car accident. Now, retroactively, there's been a great deal of speculation that that vehicle was directed presumably at the behest of someone in the government and that this presumably was both, uh, 
kind of a comment to the you, you're on our radar. You've got our attention. Yeah. You, you're 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 putting together a viable political opposition, and maybe you don't necessarily want to be doing that. It's kind of uh, like finding yourself uh, waking up next to a horse's head. Yes, that's a, that's uh, less, <laughs> that's not a bad analogy. <laughs> less graphic. It's maybe. a very clear message. <laughs> but yeah. uh, the message was received. Yes. Tell us more about the 1973 kidnapping as well. Okay, and this now is very famous because it's been documented in terms of the sure. the negotiations that went on afterwards. Uh, what we know is that Kim Dae Jung was definitely kidnapped from a hotel room in Tokyo. Uh, he is then at some point at the most dangerous aspect of it taken out into a boat in the water where I believe he was going to be thrown in with the presumption that he would drown. Um, there are back-channel negotiations between uh, the U.S. Embassy and Park Jong-hee and what the diplomatic sources reveal. And I think this is... I think it's Philip Habib who's the ambassador at that time, but I would have to check. But in any case, the sources reveal that the U.S. basically said to Park Jong-hee, uh, yeah, like maybe don't do that. We understand you're <laughs> upset with this guy. But so what Park will do eventually, I mean, literally Kim Dae-jung is like pulled back into the boat. Uh, he is brought back into South Korea. And um, I guess, and this, this by the way, is much of Kim, Kim Dae-jung's life, not only under Park, but also later under Chun Doo-wan. He's placed under observation, some combination of observation, house arrest, because he is now seen as a very extreme uh, political risk. You look at all the things that... Kim Dae-jung went through before. Yeah, yeah, no, it's amazing and, that he didn't leave because this was an option several times. And, oh, yeah. And it's amazing that he would later become again Precisely. The, the president of, of, of South Korea and all the things that he, he went through and the fact that probably in in a country where there's a lot of political retaliation that goes on with whatever administration that comes after, uh, he is probably one of the few, if not the only, uh, president that didn't go through any political retaliation because he didn't believe in it. And he also didn't kind of follow through on political retaliation on, on, on rival parties. But we're not going to talk about that. Sure. But let's talk about what happened in October of 1979. Okay. Uh, in October 79, uh, we know that there were serious labor demonstrations at several of the large... Uh, uh, textile. Yes, and... exactly. Particularly textiles, particularly female workers. And that there was a great deal of debate among Park and his inner circle about how to handle this. Sure. Um, at a uh, dinner meeting at a safe house, uh, in one of these discussions, apparently it's very heated. Uh, Park wants to suppress. Some of those who are present do not. Uh, but in those heated uh, discussions, and again, there's a lot of debate here now is what I'm just going to say, but forethought. But his uh, KCIA leader, who, um, is, uh, who opposes the violent shutdown, gets into some sort of shouting match with one of Park's security, uh, ends up pulling a gun, which he had brought with him to the dinner, right. and kills him, and then ultimately then moves on and proceeds to... Well, he kill. failed the first time, right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> the, yes, the, yes, yes. the gun kind of jammed, and he actually was able to come back. Yes. And, uh, you know pull off the assassination but anyways exactly he, he kills this first guy right after exactly it's not a smooth no. set of things and then he um kills president park and it was all kinds of confusing things too because of course um now this has been depicted in film it's been written uh the female guitar player who was there i believe has like labor gave some interviews yeah um at least in the initial aftermath of the incident, he tried to pass it off as something else happened. He obviously wasn't going to quite immediately say, like, well, I, I did this. No. Um, but eventually the, people figure out that it, the president has been killed. And then in this room, something very, very bad went awry. And then the question becomes, how do we handle the uh, immediate aftermath of this? Uh, who's, who, who is now in the leadership? How do we handle these individuals? Who is responsible? Those kinds of things. 
Let's talk about how Kim's rights uh, affected uh, Chen Duan's rise to power. Because as we know, historically, after Park Chung-yi, uh, and you know, you had a kind of an interim uh, president for very quickly, a uh, very brief moment in exactly. time. Chen Duan does basically rise to power through yes. a coup. Sure. Um, I don't know how quickly Chun, uh, if he comes in uh, December 79, uh, approaches Kim Dae-jung or at least puts a watch on him. But what we know in terms of the definite uh, need to handle Kim is after the May 1980 Kwangju incident, where you have obviously a major pushback from the citizens and a major reprisal on the part mm-hmm. of the Korean government. Um, I don't even think the Chun government tries to seriously, well, this is my, this is where I'll say it's my opinion. Um, I don't think they seriously believe that Kim Dae-jung orchestrated this, but they find a very convenient way to create a relationship and say, this is what happened. This must have been done by leftists slash activists. Kim Dae-jung has historically been the major guy that's been a problem. He must have been involved in this. He must have helped orchestrate this. He must have helped plan this. And and, and it's so easy, right? A guy who's from the region, a guy who's known for democratic movements, and a guy who is a threat to people like Park Chung-hee and a person like Chun Doo-hwan. It's so easy to kind of label this person as a person who led what they would probably call an uprising. Absolutely. Right? Absolutely. Which, again, and I imagine in Korean history, that's still something of a, I mean, there's still controversies over the numbers, the causes. Um, this is where you see your political divisions in Korea, depending on how you wait, whether it's an uprising yeah. or whether this was, or whether it's something else. Yeah. And, uh, and you had the, uh, the, the infamous uh, interview by uh, Chun Doo-hwan uh, when he was still alive, uh, that, uh, you know, that's what he called him. I mean, what, he said what, what you were supposed to do. It was an uprising, but again, very controversial statement Absolutely. from him. What did Chun, again, I mean, we know that, so Chun basically accused Kim of inciting a uh, yeah, riot, inciting, inciting or, an or, uprising. Or, or orchestrating, uh, mobilizing, certainly. And that any- justifies a death sentence? Um, well, I mean, if you're, I guess, if you're the military leader, yeah, but let's, could, yeah, sure, and let's build up the context. If you accept Chun's mentality and his terms, and we're going into late eighty, early eighty-one, uh, the sentence has been put put, put in place. Uh, Park Chung Hee was killed in seventy-nine. Uh, you now have a new leader who needs to mobilize and consolidate. Uh, we still have a North Korean threat. South Korea is still under um, nightly curfew. There's mm-hmm, still kind mm-hmm. of that deep military atmosphere. Right. This and yes, and Kwangju has happened. So you have student demonstrations. You have Kwangju. You have, from the government's perspective, a serious leftist threat. I'm not going to uh, legitimize that. I'm just oh again, no, no, it's not trying, a political trying, statement. Trying, yeah, just yeah, trying yeah. to put it in the mentality of that of his mind. I see where he wants to identify student leaders, and more importantly, what he sees as the obvious key political opposition, who is probably in his mind responsible for a lot of this activity. This is a way of, as you said, of neatly handling several things at once, and presumably curtailing this activity very quickly. I mean, in an era where the government uh, was cracking down on democracy movement, I mean, it's, oh, yeah, 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 you're yeah, yeah. talking about probably the face of democracy movement. Precisely. And as you know, as you suggested earlier with the um, the convenience of labeling it, I imagine some of the Kwangju people probably would be very proud to be associated with Kim Dae-jung. So even if he wasn't responsible, their mobilizing that language and his image also might have infuriated the government even more. In other yeah. words, not a direct, he did it, but more... His, his very image itself was politically volatile. So obviously we know that, again, he was given the death sentence. Yep. And, uh, you know, what's interesting is we talked about, even with our staff, he's like, man, you know, can you believe we had a president who, you know, was issued a death sentence? And, and then and remember in 73, he was hanging above the water. So this oh, is, like, yeah, this he, is he, like his second time, at least. Second time yeah. that he's <laughs> come very close to, you know, dying. But how did Chun use Kim to negotiate with the Americans 
because he ended up not, of course, uh, history says he didn't follow through with the death sentence. Exactly. Anyone, right. Uh, yes. Uh, I met, now, Jimmy Carter is very famous for even going into late park, uh, constantly pushing human rights. This is the transition to Carter to Reagan. So I don't know how much of this is going on behind the scenes of the U.S. election, even as it's in process in late 79 into 80. But certainly with Reagan, uh, there is the negotiation of, in essence, we're not going to do this in exchange for some form of political recognition. This takes the place of very famously, I think it's February 81, of um, Chun Doo-wan visiting Reagan. There are pictures of it. And I didn't understand, and I think younger Koreans also don't understand, that that picture of Chun and his wife sitting in the White House infuriates a lot of Koreans because it, as as we're talking about, it kind of, from Chun's perspective, legitimized his, his rule, yeah. legitimized his relationship with the United States, but it was very much a quid pro quo, not only for Kim Dae-jung, but in essence, and this is where younger Koreans need to know this, in essence, kind of a whitewashing of Kwangju in a certain sense because i'm sure reagan didn't know that no but by recognizing this leader bringing him to the white house he's kind of embracing this new korea and essentially kind of wiping the screen blank for the last couple of years but there's even speculation that as soon as park chung hee was assassinated sure. that washington already knew who the next leader was going to be uh-huh, okay. and they had already basically said this guy chun doo-wan who chun doo-wan who's a military leader he is going to be the next president of South Korea. So there's speculation that Washington had already known, and they've okay. almost, hate to say handpicked, because, you know, you could go into all sorts of conspiracy theories sure. then with, then going, you know, the CIA got in on this no, and oh, it chose us. No, but you gave me a perfect, if I can intervene one quick yeah, moment. Sure. You write that every U.S. ambassador to Korea up to a certain point in time, and I mentioned Philip would be earlier, not accidentally, um, that these usually are people who either have prior CIA experience or so I have no trouble with understanding that those conversations are taking place. Sure. Yeah. And so with this, so you talk about the Carter Reagan administration, sure. but uh, what, what was it? Did, did the Americans basically, did the Americans have the influence in calling off the death sentence for uh, Kim Dae-jung? Um, I suspect that, and again, I'm going to be careful and hedge my words here, but yeah, but I suspect that, I suspect that that was the card that was played that got some of the access that resulted in the February 81 state visit for Chun and his wife. Okay. I, 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 whether or not the U.S. would have pressured further or whether the Koreans would have played it further, that seems to have been the exchange at some level is Kim's life. I believe he goes to the U.S. and he's briefly a lecturer at Harvard for a couple of years. Or he does, in other words, he's allowed to leave the country and have yeah. like a U.S. visa and Chun gets his nice photo op and gets all kinds of recognition. And again, I, I, it's weird teaching this to younger Koreans now. I said those p- pictures from the White House, just generally, they don't get that those pictures to like Koreans, probably young, a little bit younger than me or my age, I'm in my late 50s, that they have a much stronger resonance and are very irritated by those pictures. Yeah. And yeah. especially when, you know, when we talk about, and there's even people who refuse to put President and Chun Doo-wan in the same Sure. Sentence. I hadn't thought of that, but yes, I get, I get exactly right. why. And, and, and that's why, I mean, again, arguably one of the most controversial figures uh, in, in Korean history. No, and it, it fits beautifully with present history in that the, the film depiction of his rise is now extremely, it's doing well. It's, I don't know whether, whether that makes it popular or not, but people are interested. Yeah. And you would assume that maybe because one of the things that we talk about with the the Kwangju uh, incident is that thanks to a certain German uh, yes. journalist, yes, uh, they're able to kind of get what happened in Kwangju to the foreign media outlets, and the world finds out yes. what happened there. And surely, although maybe Washington is still getting information through the CIA, they know what's going on there. Uh, they know that what's happening and what Chun Doo-wan did. 
doesn't look really good right now when no, you know no, in no. a and country that calls for democracy all the time. And that that's the critical question too is when Chun mobilizes South Korean troops to go down there. Technically, the U.S. still has status of forces uh, control over those troops. Yeah. So the question still remains, and again, there are, people are divided on this as to whether Chun simply abrogated and did what he wanted to do, or whether the U.S. passively or kind of noddingly, but getting deniability you kind of winked at it and let it happen yeah yeah and, and uh, of course a lot of koreans understand that what i just said the second that is they believe the u.s is complicit at some level in that even if chun did it the u.s could have intervened and chose not to absolutely it's 80 it's may carter's in an election year he's he's not going to get involved well, I mean, and also carter is one of the very few president who doesn't win his second term uh precisely trumping the other one but uh, what other circumstances you talked about how kim was able to let's go back to kim Dae-jung. he was yep. able to go to the united states under what circumstances is he allowed to go to the united states and also when did he return to south korea once sure again? he re- he goes to the united states for a couple of years i believe he is a university lecturer i imagine moving into the early 80s under reagan uh, you handle the delicate balance of, yes, we, we recognize this country, they're a close friend, but here we've got a human rights activist from that first very same country who's an academic, and there's no necessary contradiction between these things. Yeah. What interests me is that he does not stay out, as you would think, I mean, looking from the outside, like all the way until 87 of democratization. He returns, I think it's in 85, and he returns and he's put back under arrest, and he, again, uh, is willing to make personal sacrifices and uh, sacrifice a certain amount of political capital for the privilege of being home and recognizing that whatever work he can do here is of potential value. And then, of course, he obviously has managed to, to survive that and live past 87, and right. we'll, we'll, we'll get to well, his I mean, return in a moment. But he, 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 it's amazing that he, he several times chose himself to to put himself directly into the face of danger. It's amazing that the man lived as long as he did and managed to do what he did. I mean... He was his life was cut short because of cancer, yes. and, 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 and but still lived, I guess, till his uh, you know mid eighties, I believe, was what yeah. it was. And, and more importantly, well past nineteen seventy three and nineteen seventy nine. Yeah. But let's do talk about speaking of which, because I mean, you we talked about all the things that he went through, uh, facing death. Twice, more than twice, some might say, if you count the car accident. Yes, that's true. If exactly. that wasn't just a message, and if they decided they were going to off him, then that was yeah. you know three times there yep. uh, that he faces. And then he becomes the president of South Korea. Okay, let's talk about his accomplishment because he also wins a, a big award. Oh, for, yes, for his role with North Korea, right? Yes. Yeah, um, he uh, wins the, i uh, got to do the math here, the 1997 presidential election. Obviously, when you have the move, re, the restoration of elections in 87, and then Kim Jong-un in 92, I believe Kim Dae-jung is a candidate in 92, but, but I imagine you have the division. Yeah, the merger and yeah, stuff. Exactly, yeah. of the merger and the division of the votes. But he wins um, in 97, which is the great triumphant, and then you can tell me the exact year, but a couple years later, with the sunshine policy, with the engagement with North Koreans, which does not succeed the way he wants to, but certainly succeeds at a certain level, uh, he wins the Nobel Peace Prize. Yeah. Uh, he gets, um, which many Koreans had long coveted, you know, the first Korean to win a Nobel Prize. Although I have friends who still want a scientist to be the second, you know, the yeah. second one. But that's a so he he in many ways validates um, what he's been saying all along, which is that. Um, democratic institutions, uh, discussing things, working with those you disagree with, but you're willing to keep things rational and keep moving forward, does ultimately produce some kinds of results, even if not always what you initially imagined. You would have assumed for a person who, again, was threatened 
left and right by a conservative uh, government that he would have had this on the back of his mind. Yeah, yeah. And that he would, again, unfortunately, in, in, in Korean politics, there's a whole lot of political retaliation sure. that goes on. Absolutely. Uh, but he didn't believe in this, and he straight said out. I have seen no signs of that. Or, yeah, uh, and and he clearly said, "I don't believe in political retaliation. There's going to be none of that." And he is, even after his presidency, also uh, although following his presidency, it was another liberal president, No Mui-hyun. Although No Mui-hyun faced a whole lot of attacks from the conservative Yim Yong-bak administration. Sure. But even during the Yim Yong-bak administration, clearly there could have been some sort of attacks towards like uh, the Kim De- towards Kim Dae-chung. There was none of that. Yeah. And so. Yeah. Arguably, before, again, health became the reason and he did succumb to cancer, arguably he spent probably his post-presidential career the quietest out of everyone. It was... Yeah, okay, yes, I see what you're... Yeah, yeah, yeah. So it it was such a a huge difference between before presidency and after presidency. And sure, he went through a lot even as a president, uh, having to deal with the aftermath of the IMF IMF, uh, crisis and so forth. But after that, and another interesting thing is because, again, we still have like the the regional divide. Absolutely. That's what political scientists or career are fascinated by is exactly you can almost map on with Kim Jae-jung's legacy who will vote kind of more center left left to use those terms and you, know, you and you can predict not surprisingly that if Park Chung-hee is from the southeast you'll get a certain vote going that way there's a very stark division mm-hmm. along with uh, the normal things in Korean politics which are age gender you can almost begin to predict and map out the, yeah, the way and, voters are going to break down and you get a lot of that uh, of course because of this but uh just remarkable. Uh, you look at uh, the the legacy of Kim Dae-jung and all the things that led up to him eventually being a South Korean president. But uh, Professor Demoy, I want to thank you very much for breaking down all of this. Another uh, incredible history lesson for all of our listeners out there. Have a safe rest of the week and uh, looking forward to your next history lesson for next week. Thanks very much. Bringing the core issues to our listeners. This is Korea Now. And it's time for SJ's final thoughts. Soft power. Uh, it's certainly a very important aspect in kind of Korea being known throughout the world, right? Kind of, I, I would say that it started off with, let's say, K-cuisine, just a taste of it. Uh, and then the, the K-dramas and the K-movies and really the, the boom of K-pop really put Korea uh, on the international stage. But something that gets overlooked, again, is K-literature. There's so many amazing books written in Korean that is unable to be shared because there is a lack of translated versions of this. Now, fortunately, because of people like Barbara and uh, her being an agent to wonderful translators like Anton Her, that uh, many English-speaking countries and other uh, languages, it's translated in other countries and you're able to read these beautiful work of literature. I know that, again, in an era where everything is on media, television, and on the internet and things like that, but I hope everyone gives Korean literatures and books a chance as well, because I feel like this is going to be the next big boom. For all of our listeners out there, as always, thank you very much for tuning into our program. Saying goodbye for now. Please stay safe, stay healthy, and warm, everyone. This was SJ Lee with Korea Now. 
You can listen to Korea Now with me, SJ Lee, by downloading the Arirang Radio application or tune in online by visiting www.arirangradio.com. So make sure you tune in Mondays through Fridays, 6 p.m. to 8 p.m. Korea time.